to Playmakers, everyone. I am your host, Haley Elwood. It is week five, and the Los Angeles Chargers will finish up this two-game road stretch in Cleveland against the Browns. So joining me to talk about this one is Mary Kay Cabot, Browns beat writer of Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer. Mary Kay, Mary Kay, thanks for coming on. Sure, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to know this opponent a little bit. The Browns lose to the Falcons last week, are 2-2 two and two on the season. What is the state of this team right now? Well, things are a little up in the air right now, in part because no one's really sure if Miles Garrett is going to be coming back for this game or not. And the same thing with Jadavian Clowney. And I thought that was the difference in the game in Atlanta. I really think mm-hmm. if they had those two guys, that the Falcons would not have been able to run all over the Browns like they did in the second half for 170 of their 202 yards. If you have one of the best edge setters in the NFL and Jadavian Clowney out there and you've got Miles Garrett, I doubt that's happening. I'm also not certain that Marcus Mariota would have been able to complete a 42-yard pass in the fourth quarter had Miles Garrett been there to menace him. It's hard to say, but I, I do think that those two guys make an enormous difference. There's been so much talk about this team, obviously, in the offseason. I think maybe 2-2 two and two is probably better than some people might have expected them to be at this point. But given the tenor of the season, I know it's early, but is this game, in your mind, maybe a make-or-break with some of the opponents that, that, that they have coming up down the stretch? Well, the Browns are embarking on a really grueling stretch right now where they have the second toughest schedule in the NFL going forward. It's really hard. They just came off the cushy part of their schedule uh, where they had the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL, according to ESPN's football power index. So they really needed to come out of that three and one to try to kind of keep this team in the hunt until Deshaun Watson comes back in week 13. So two and two isn't really going to cut it when you're losing to the Jets, when you're losing to the Falcons. Uh, So I think everyone's pretty disappointed with that. I don't want to call this a must-win game because I'm a must-win game purist. Unless you're about to be eliminated from playoff contention, I usually don't use that phrase. Uh, So I'm not going to call it a must-win game, but certainly it's a conference game. The Browns don't want to string together two losses, and they certainly want to do everything they can to get back on the winning track. Yeah, I think from the Chargers' perspective, too, it's the same sort of thing. I I listen to Sirius XM NFL radio a lot, and Pat Kerwin always calls these games wild card games because these are the games that, look, they're in your conference. They may mean something at the end when it comes down to seeding, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, you've got the whole common opponent thing that goes on, but... Just the, you know, just the the conference is going to be so difficult this year. I mean, uh, you know, every division is tough. There are so many good quarterbacks throughout the whole entire AFC. You just can't afford to be losing these games for whatever, tiebreakers and everything else. So uh, it's definitely a big game for the Browns. They're going to be back in front of the home crowd for the first of two back-to-back home games. And uh, once again, they let one get away there in Atlanta that they really are regretting, and they don't want to compound that. So you mentioned QBs. Great segue. We're going to do this naturally here. You mentioned Deshaun Watson obviously not playing. Jacoby Brissett stepping up in his place. And to me, he's one of those capable backup quarterbacks, if you will, just because he's had so much starting experience in the NFL. But what have you seen from him through these first four games? 
Well, for the most part, he's been what the Browns have needed him to be. He's played with poise. He's played with confidence. He's held it together from an off-the-field standpoint. He sort of has been the perfect replacement for Deshaun Watson. But he's had a couple of games that weren't as good as I'm sure he would like them to be. Uh, That was the Panthers game. They were lucky to get out of that one with a victory. And then this past week in Atlanta, he just seemed a little bit off to me. And he closed out the game with an interception when they really just needed to get in position for a game-tying field goal. So he's had his ups and downs. uh, But when he gets it going, when he's playing well, when he's seeing the field and when he's on target, he can be a winning quarterback. So it just sort of depends on what kind of day he's going to have. What kind of day do you think he'll have this Sunday? You know, if he gets it going with Amari Cooper, which he could not do in Atlanta, Amari Cooper only had one catch for nine yards. I mean, you need your best playmakers to be out there making big plays uh, when you're in this situation where you don't have all of your your best people and your defensive line is sort of decimated. Uh, They needed to have the offense kind of humming along, and it just really wasn't. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a key for Jacoby. Uh, to get it rolling early if he can with Amari Cooper. Now, it's easy to focus on Amari Cooper because there are not that many other good receivers on the team in terms of experience. There aren't any other 1,000-yard type receivers on this football team. So a lot of times teams will try to take Amari out of the game, and the Falcons basically were able to do that. So last week, the Browns were two of three on fourth down. This aggression is something Kevin Stefanski likes. It's something Brandon Staley likes. We see it, obviously, with the Chargers a lot. How can an opponent like the Chargers sort of maybe influence and factor into how he plays this game out? Well, you know, I think Kevin Stefanski will do his own thing, and I don't think he's going to let the criticism of what he did in this past game against Atlanta affect him in any way, shape, or form, just the same way John Harbaugh is not letting criticism of going for it on fourth down and losing that game to the Bills affect him. Kevin has his way as, of playing. Brandon Staley did this too last right? season. Yeah. yeah, so Kevin has, you know, he's got his way, like, you know, like you said, you're familiar with it there, and um, and he's not going to change, and I think they're going to continue to go for it on fourth down, they're not going to let public pressure or media pressure influence how they do things, and they'll game plan, I mean, I'm sure that they think this is going to be another game where they have to score a lot of points, so if they have the chance to go for seven instead of three, they're going to do it. This is the new way of, of football in the NFL, this is really not the 1980s. It's so true. It's this new age. We're seeing it all over the place. Now, when you mention scoring points, to me, it is so funny that this game is in week five again this year because you go back to week five of 2021, which turned into a shootout between the Browns and the Chargers. The Chargers obviously cannot match the Browns ground game, and we'll get to that in a second. But with that being said, how does maybe their air attack match up against the Browns secondary? Well, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. The Browns secondary, the defense in general, has surrendered some big plays this season, especially in the fourth quarter. So they are sort of vulnerable to that, and they've got to get that tightened up this week. In this past game, they let Marcus Mariota uh, complete a 42-yard pass, then Denzel Ward tapped on a 15-yard face mask penalty on top of that. And, you know, they let Baker Mayfield throw a 75-yard touchdown pass on them, and they let Joe Flacco do the same thing. So uh, they've got to tighten that up. I mean, they've got a string of really good, really good quarterbacks coming up here. Obviously, Justin Herbert being one of the best. 
and uh, they've got to be on point. They've got really good safeties, and they've got really good cornerbacks in the back end. They mix it up sometimes between zone and man-to-man, um, but they um, they have had some mentals. They've had a few mental errors and a couple of blown coverages, and uh, they're not going to get away with that this weekend. I think if Chargers fans are listening to this and hearing you talk about those long passes that have been given up, they're probably licking their chops so excited to see what would happen on Sunday with Herbert. Because uh, when he goes down there, it usually turns out pretty well for the Bolts. Yeah, and you know what? I'll tell you, though, I mean, the Browns do have a lot of talent in the back end. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're bereft of talent. You've got Denzel Ward. He's a pro bowler. You've right. got Grant Delpit, a safety who made some big plays on Kyle Pitts in the last game. Uh, you know, these guys can get their hands on some footballs. You've got John Johnson, the, the three back there at safety. You've got Greg Newsome, Martin Emerson, who seems to me like he's shaping up to be a little bit of a ball hawk. He's got really good instincts. Uh, so, you know, there will be opportunities, I think, for, for those guys to go and try to snag the football uh, and make some breakups, but they have to be communicating, which they haven't always done well this season. Okay, so we mentioned we were going to get into the Browns ground game, and it is seriously unlike any other in the NFL. Nick Chubb still getting his yards. What makes this attack so lethal? Well, a couple of things. You know, it all starts up front. I mean, the Browns have done a good job of building tough through the lines. They really have. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good defensive line when three of the starters aren't missing, like they were uh, in Atlanta. But their offensive line is excellent. The um, offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, called the two guards, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, the two dancing bears. And um, so, you know, they're pro bowlers. They're really good. You've got Jack Conklin at right tackle. He's an all-pro right tackle. Then you've got Jed Wills, a number 10 overall pick from a couple of years ago, and he's starting to come into his own. So it's a really good offensive line. It starts there, and then you've got arguably the best pure runner in the NFL in Nick Chubb. Nick is amazing. Uh, if he doesn't like what he sees, he'll just try to jump over you or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, he seems to get stronger in the fourth quarter. He is right at the top uh, of the list in terms of fourth quarter running. One of the reasons for that is because Kareem Hunt keeps him fresh. They've got a really good one-two punch going. They don't play a ton of them together on the field. I think they could do more of that. Uh, so sometimes that that shows up in the game plan. Other times it's really not there as much. But uh, Nick is one of the best in the business. And uh, when they use him a lot, then you know it's really effective. He has three 100-yard games already this season. That's insane. How, mm-hmm. I mean, just... You know what the goal is, right? Going into a game against them, you got to stop him. And just why is he so hard to contain? Well, I mean, he's just got a, you know, a a never say die attitude. He's tough. He's big. He's hard to bring down. Uh, He's got great instincts. He can hit the hole very quickly. He can bounce it outside. And, uh, and again, as I mentioned before, he's got great blocking in front of him. And that, you know, that means a lot. And then these two guys together, you know, when you've got Kareem Hunt, he can catch the ball really well out of the backfield. So when those guys are on top of their game, they're tough to defend. Absolutely. So getting to a couple of the guys that you mentioned up top, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett, Stefanski has said, we're taping this on a Tuesday. Stefanski has said he's not really going to give an update on them until Wednesday of this week. What is maybe your assessment or your vibe right now in terms of their availability for Sunday? 
Gosh, it's so hard to predict, and that yeah. is by design because they don't want the Chargers to know what they're doing. They don't want anybody to know what they're up to with this. But because Jadavian Clowney has been, quote, unquote, really, really close the past week, uh, I think he probably has a pretty good chance. With Miles, that one's a little bit up in the air because mm-hmm. it was only eight days ago that he flipped his Porsche three times. And, I mean, that was a – or multiple times, I should say. Uh, that was a harrowing accident that he went through. He suffered a sprained shoulder and a strained right biceps. And I think it's just a matter of seeing how he feels. When we talked to him on Friday, he was only, you know, four or five days removed from the accident. And he was pretty darn sore at that time. So I think they just have to, as Kevin Stefanski said, they have to get to Wednesday and see how he feels. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. Regardless if one of them plays not if both of them play, if they're not exactly at 100%, how does maybe an 80% Jadavian Clowney or a 75% Miles Garrett still affect a game? I think in a huge way. I mean, if you guys have, if you have those guys out there, even on a limited basis, I think it's absolutely huge. You have to account for them on every play. Quite often, you'll see Miles not only double teamed, but sometimes triple teamed. I mean, he has just been so explosive this year. He was off to a tremendous start. Uh, he's one of the best in the business, obviously. And, um, you know, and Jadavian, I mean, Jadavian does a great job of containing the quarterback, setting the edge, and he gets a lot of pressure in his own right. So even if you have them, uh, like you said, for, you know, 80% of the time or 80% effective uh, when they're out there, I still think that that will be a huge difference in this football game. And then last one, Mary Kay, what do you think is maybe a deciding factor in terms of how you think this game shakes out? I know we've talked a lot about the availability of those two guys, but maybe something else. Well, you know, I, this is sort of simplistic, but I, I'm going to go with it anyways. When the Browns went into the Falcons game, they thought they could get some takeaways because the Falcons were turning the ball over. At that time, they had four fumbles and three interceptions, and they were way, way at the top of the league. Uh, the Browns have got to continue to protect the ball, which is something that Jacoby usually does pretty well. But in this past game, David Njoku had a fumble, and Jacoby Brissett threw an interception. They lost the takeaway battle. And if they do that again, they're going to lose the football game. So they have to protect the football at all costs. And I think that, you know, it could come down to that. And then Jacoby has got to play better than he did in the Falcons game. He missed a lot of guys. He was just off the mark. And if he can get back to playing good football, then they'll have a chance. Mary Kay, thank you so much for joining us. Browns expert, Browns extraordinaire. We appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your insight on this one. Sure. Thanks for having me.